Today on Locked On Bearcats, it's the lucky seven, the seven players who will define the 2022 Bearcats season. Ben Bryant is on the list, but how long can he start until we know he's not the answer at quarterback? Plus, I'm going to tell you the one thing I want to see from both Luke Fickle and Gino Gadouli this upcoming season. All that on today's episode of Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats. Your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day or first watch of the day. If you're watching on the Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel, which we have hit another milestone, 150, 150 subscribers, but we're not done yet. Far from it. So hit that subscribe button and you can also follow us on YouTube. That way you can get an alert every time a new episode drops. And you can also like and share a comment on today's video. If you are downloading from an audio platform, I'll say my name first because you're probably wondering who I am at this point. I'm Alex Frank, your host each and every day, former sports director of Bearcast Media, where I was a play-by-play announcer and weekly sports radio show host, bringing all of those experiences here to Lockdown Bearcats. If you're downloading this from an audio platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, excuse me, wherever, excuse me again, where you get your podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button there too. Excuse me again. You can also share a comment and or give it a rating. All of that on audio and YouTube helps more Bearcats fans like you find this podcast. So today we're going to start off with a fun topic. It's a, another ranking hierarchy, the seven or list, the seven players who will define the Cincinnati Bearcats 2022 season. The seven players on the team, it can be any player. And as my list will tell you, it literally can be any player who will define this upcoming season for Cincinnati Bearcats football. So, without further ado, here we go. We'll start at the bottom with number seven. Let the suspense build up as to who I have as the number one player that will define the 2022 Bearcats season. Number seven, Ryan Coe, kicker, transfer from Delaware. He's the key to improve Bearcats special teams. Now, I have him seventh because can the kicker really impact, you know, a football game or a seat, or I should say rather a season, a whole season, a whole season's worth. I don't really know. But then again, we saw what Evan McPherson did for the Bengals last year. I once jokingly asked if he could be the kicker for the Bearcats on Saturdays. Ryan Coe has come in. He had a great season in Delaware last year. He had a great spring, great spring game. And the special teams cannot be, it cannot be what it was last year. This team is simply not as talented as last year's team, to overcome special teams' woes. They have to be better than 9 of 19 on field goals. Number six, Wilson Huber, linebacker, sixth-year player. He's taken on a larger role this year. He only had 13 total tackles last season, but he did have a fumble recovery in the Notre Dame game. Three sacks last year. He will be featured on a lot more scouting reports. He's dual threat. He can rush the quarterback. He can play in coverage. But he's going to take on a much larger role this year with the departures of Myjay Sanders and Joel DeBlanco. And he is going to have to step up his game in, in year six. Remember when he first came in as a tight end, they converted him then to linebacker. He's had two really solid seasons, mostly on special teams and kick returns. Huge fumble recovery in the Notre Dame game, as I already mentioned. 
but he's going to have to do it this year on defense. Number five, Deshaun Pace, linebacker, one of my favorite players on this year's team. Leading returning tackler on this year's team. Brian Cook, Joel DeBlanco, and, oh, now I'm blanking on the other one. Uh, Darian Beavers, thank you. The leading returning tackler on this year's team is, is Deshaun Pace. And he's the leader by 25. Ty Van Fossen's in second with 70. Deshaun Pace had 95 tackles last year. Turnover maker. If this defense can force turnovers, they are going to be really good. They're going to be really good regardless. But if they can force turnovers like they did in several key games last year, you know, they had two turnovers or three turnovers rather in the Notre Dame game. They had four turnovers against Indiana. They had multiple turnovers in other games this past season. They were so good. Whenever you needed a defensive play, whenever you needed a turnover, you were more often than not going to get it. Brian Cook with the interception of the Cotton Bowl that set the Bearcats up nicely just didn't work out. If the Bearcats' defense can force turnovers and Deshaun Pace will be a leader of that, he will be a, a front runner in the lead interceptions, fumble recoveries, whatever. This guy is a turnover maker. If the Bearcats' defense forces turnovers, they are going to be really good and the team will benefit as a result. Number four, he's on the list, Ben Bryant. Ben Bryant's on this list, but the reason why is because unfortunately he can also sink the team's offensive potential because we know he has a ceiling. It reminds me of who Desmond Ritter was. In 2019 and 2020, we all knew the Bearcats offense had potential. It had really good players, had really good skill players. But the one thing I constantly heard was Desmond Ritter can hold this offense back. And it wasn't until weeks, you know, games four through eight in 2020, when he really started to, you know, this offense started to take off. Desmond Ritter held it back for two years in the eyes of some. You don't want Ben Bryant to be that. Right now, I fear that he can be. Ben Bryant is going if he holds his offense back, that will be a defining aspect of this 2022 team. If he's able to elevate it, because he can, I'm not saying he's not going to. I'm just saying that most likely the outcome is he will hold it back. But if Ben Bryant can, you know, elevate this offense, then we can look back on it and say, hey, the Bearcats won games because of Ben Bryant. Number three, Evan Prater. You knew he was going to be on this list, didn't you? Evan Prater with his potential. Four-star recruit. Mr. Cincinnati. Dynamic playmaker. You know, he can elevate this team. We saw it last year when he was on the field in several instances. In the He came in against Miami, Ohio. And by the way, when you talk about things that excite you about Evan Prater, I didn't even mention this, but I'm going to today. He was on SportsCenter Top 10. He's on SportsCenter Top 10. I mean, we watch that all the time as kids, right? And if you see your player, your team on SportsCenter Top 10, and he's already this, you know, four-star recruiting god commit, yeah, that's only going to heighten the excitement. Evan Prater, if he starts, will absolutely be a defining player for this year's team. Number two, Lorenz Metz, offensive lineman. I think he's the weakest offensive lineman on this team. I heard a great quote on Locked On Sports today, uh, yesterday, in regards to the Philadelphia Phillies firing uh, now former manager Joe Girardi, when Joe, when the manager is basically this, you he's like a toilet. You only hear about him, you only think about it when there's something wrong. It's like offensive linemen. If they're really good, sadly, you're not talking about them. But when they're not good, you are talking about them. It's like the Bengals' offensive line. We knew who they were because they weren't very good. 
Lorenz Metz is the weak link of this offensive line. He wasn't very good in 2019, had way too many penalties. He wasn't great in 2020. He was better, not great, and his performance in the Peach Bowl when he came in in relief for James Hudson and had to block Aziz Ojaliri was not a performance to remember. But if he's able to be really good this year, and he was better last year except in the Cotton Bowl, if he's really good this year, this whole line is going to be an absolute stone wall and a strength of this team. They have all five returning starters, including the Rams Mets, but he has to be really good this year. You you don't want to know his name because he's, you know, being a detriment to this offense. You want to know his name because he's a part of an offensive line that is going to be the best in the conference, one of the best in the country, and it's why the Bearcats offense is not going to take a huge step back at all, if any step back from where they were last year. Number one, Corey Kiner, running back. This team is a run-first team. Corey Kiner should emerge as the lead back. They got him in the transfer portal for this reason. They recruited him hard in 2020 for this reason. He's the He kind of feels like Michael Warren. He can be a bell cow running back. Why I did not include him when I was mentioning the seven keys to success last week, I have no idea. Consider that a brain fart and a half. But Corey Kiner is absolutely going to drive this team. Evan Prater might be the star and the player that everybody flocks to and has his jersey, but Corey Kiner is going to be the most important player. Very similar to how running backs have been over the years for Cincinnati. It's no joke. This offense is going to be run first. Ask Gino Gaduli that. He said it earlier this spring. This will be a run first team. Corey Kiner, we know what he did at Roger Bacon, former Mr. Football. We saw what he did at LSU. Now he's going to be potentially a lead back, and he's going to allow for other running backs like Ryan Montgomery and Charles McClellan to be able to be incorporated into the offense because they can do things Corey Kiner maybe can't do. Kiner's going to be your, you know, hard-nosed back, pick up those hard-earned yards. Montgomery and McClellan are going to be the two guys that are going to get yards after the catch. They're going to yak you as Tua Tagovailoa likes to say, which, woof. Um, don't know why I mentioned his name on this podcast. Anyway, Corey Kiner will be the most important player that defines, the player that most defines this year's team. So there you have it, the seven players who will define this year's team. Ryan Coe, Wilson Huber, Deshaun Pace, Ben Bryant, Evan Prater, Lorenz Metz, and Corey Kiner. Sounds like a pretty good list to me. Up next, so how long can Ben Bryant start until you know and we know eh, he's not the answer at quarterback? I'll explain next, but first I got to tell you about Bill Bart because don't you just love, and I do, a chewy chocolate brownie. Oh my God, they're so good. My grandmother makes really good brownies. But what about a caramel brownie with a caramel swirled on top? Oh my gosh, so good. So what if I told you that you can have all of that chewy chocolate deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein? Well, guess what? You're in luck because caramel brownie bars are available at Built.com right now and you gotta act fast because they're a fan favorite. Forget about dessert. These are better than dessert. You know what? The Rangers are playing in the playoffs right now. I'll say in my New York accent, forget about it. These are better than desserts. Plus, the macros are unreal. Oh, my gosh. Just 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar. Oh, my gosh. I would replace a regular brownie with Bill's Caramel Brownie Bar like that. The best part is Caramel Brownie Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Like, for real. Seriously. You With Bill, you don't have to sacrifice Tasty for healthy. You can have both. And... There are a million reasons that you should try Built Bars, but for now, let's just say the Caramel Brownies will rock your world. With Built, Tasty is the new healthy. So go to Built.com and get your box of Caramel Brownie Bars right now. Use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15, excuse me, percent off at Built.com. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We have an important favor to ask you. So we put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On Podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On Podcasts. So go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. So take our audience survey. All you have to do is go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey. Thank you for your help in advance. I did not remind it in the previous segment, probably because I was listing a list of seven players. And maybe I'm not going to remind you every segment that Evan Prater should be the starting quarterback. I think you've all known, you all know how I feel about the quarterback battle. But I will say this. There is a chance Ben Bryan starts. And I think the inevitable is that he will. And that's why I'm campaigning so hard for Evan Prater to start, because I'm trying to get you all to see why he should. So Ben Bryant can start week one, but you have to know quickly if he's the answer or not. You have to. If you know two possessions in at Arkansas, all right, this guy ain't it, then he's clearly not the answer. If you know four games in and you're two and two, meaning you lose a game at home or you lose to Miami, which spoiler alert is not going to happen. But if for some reason you are two and two, Heading into conference play, which I would be shocked if that was the case. You have to make the change. If there are too many critical mistakes, I don't even care if the Bearcats win three straight games 45 to 10. If Ben Bryant's making mistakes, if he's missing open receivers and he's throwing picks and he's, you know, taking too many sacks or, you know, not being the pocket passer that we know him as, get him out of there. If this is the feeling you get if Ben Bryant starts, you know there's a ceiling to his game. That is why, and this quarterback battle, while it might seem simple, it's actually complicated. Because there are so many things that can happen before and after you make the decision. And my guess is you're going to see both quarterbacks. Bryant goes into Arkansas. And throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Which if he does, then I'll say, okay, keep this guy as a starter. See, that's the thing about me. I can be swayed with performances. I'm not going to be swayed by another man or woman's opinion. But I can be swayed by facts and evidence and seeing and performance. But right now, I'm for Evan Prater. I know what I've seen from Ben Bryant. Nothing special. But at the same time, you have to remember, he's a former four-star recruit and he knows this program. He knows a thing or two about playing Bearcats football. He started a game for Cincinnati at Memphis. So there is a strong chance that he is the starter based on experience. And that is no knock on Evan Prater. It's no disrespect. But you have to know in this situation if he is the answer or not. I would think sooner rather than later. I would say for sure by conference play. 
It's also because you have a four-star waiting in the wings. It would be different if you had, if Evan Prater was not here and you had, let's say, a Brady Lichtenberg or a Luther Richardson. It would be much different. But because you have Evan Prater, a four-star quarterback, recruit, waiting in the wings, it is very similar to Desmond Ritter. You know, many people, like I said on this show today, did not know if Desmond Ritter was the, was the guy to lead the offense. They thought that he was holding them back. Everyone was clamoring for Ben Bryant to start. Everybody loved Ben Bryant. But now Ben Bryant is in Ritter's position where mm, the, grass is, the grass, it turns out, wasn't so greener. I'm glad we stayed with Ritter. And maybe it's a situation where you think the grass is greener with Brader. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. I think it is. But at the same time, you have to remember that he is in a very similar situation to Desmond Ritter because going into 2019, you know what you have, but you also you know what you don't have. You know there's a limit and you know there's a ceiling. There's off. There's potential within this offense. Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor, Nick Martiner, Trey, Scott, uh, Trey Tucker, uh, uh, Tyler Scott, Corey Kiner, a really solid offensive line. It can go wrong, though, if the quarterback does not work out. Remember 2019, the Bearcats offense, it felt like they had all this potential. They looked so good and crisp at UCLA, but Ritter held them back because his completion percentage dipped. He threw too many interceptions. He was banged up the entire season. It felt like it was it took effort. It felt like it took more effort than it needed to take. And if that's the case with Ben Bryant, you have to put in Evan Prater. Now, I'm not saying Ben Bryant can eventually become who Desmond Ritter once was. It wouldn't. I mean, I I would be pleasantly surprised if it did. But at the same time, you have to know early on, given the circumstances, you're trying to win as many games this season while also trying to figure out, okay, who is our quarterback going forward in the Big 12? You have to understand that. And if you go with Ben Bryant, mm, keep in mind, the Big 12 is a lot tougher competition. Evan Prater, again, backed up Desmond Ritter on a team that went to the college football playoff. That has to mean something in the eyes of the coaching staff. It should. And if it doesn't, then they might not realize something that they should and by the time they do, the Bearcats might be out of playoff contention and New Year's Six Bowl contention. This is a decision that has to be made right. I don't think you can go wrong. However, there are so many, there, there, there's some tricky waters to navigate here. And because of that, you can start Ben Bryant. And I won't have a problem if they do. I won't have a problem if they do. Because he could come out for his two possessions and Arkansas leads 75-yard touchdown drives. But if he comes out and throws a pick and three and out, is that long enough for you to say, okay, Evan, go out there? I think it is. I think it's very similar, and as I've mentioned this, I've mentioned this before too, to 2018, when you have Hayden Moore, who you know what you have and what you don't have, and you also have Desmond Ritter. And you have the clamoring for from fans to start Ritter. It's such a close battle, but you go with the most experienced guy. It's very 2018 field. And if Ben Bryant doesn't work out, and now if the score's three nothing after the first quarter, eh, fine. Your defense is playing well. You're not worried about it. But if it's 14 to nothing, and Ben Bryant's like two of seven with an interception, that's enough evidence for me to maybe put in Evan Prater when the game is still hanging in the balance. Let's say you lose a close game at Arkansas and the second game against Kennesaw State, it's 7-0 in the second quarter and Ben Bryant's thrown two interceptions. 
That right there, I don't care if the Bearcats are even winning. I don't care if Kennesaw State hasn't gained a yard. I'm making a change. There are so many ways this battle can play out before and after the opening possession offensively at Arkansas. It's a fascinating discussion. It's a fascinating thing to talk about, and it's going to be talked about throughout June, throughout July, throughout fall camp, and most certainly once we hit game week at Arkansas and possibly throughout this season. It is the biggest talking point around the Cincinnati Bearcats football program because of the heated battle, because of who it involves, and because of how many ways it can shake out. Coming up, there's one thing I want to see from both Luke Fickle and Gino Gadulli this upcoming season. But first, let's hear a word from two of our sponsors. You know, I'm in a good mood today. The New York Rangers are playing tonight in Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Finals of the Stanley Cup Playoffs against Tampa Bay down in Tampa, Florida. The Rangers leading the series two games to one. I'm also in a good mood because I feel like, you know, keeping this show at five days a week, even throughout the offseason, look, I don't know how many other people on the College Channel are doing this, but we got a lot of momentum right now. And momentum was a big top, was a big talking point yesterday. It's a big talking point today, and quite frankly, something I try to, you know, incorporate into my daily life. So there's one thing that I want to see from Luke Fickle and Gino Gadulli this season. And the one of the biggest takeaways from the Cotton Bowl was not Will Anderson being in the backfield every single play, or not Fedarian Mathis batting down passes with like a, a fly swat, fly swat, whatever it's called. Um, fly, what is it? What is it called? Fly swatter? Uh, Anyway, um, one thing that stood out to me was the conservative play calling. There weren't very many deep shots. They weren't getting Ritter out in space. You know, they weren't creating space. It just felt so effortful. It felt like, you know, the offense never really got off the ground. And that was a huge, and that was a huge bummer because it felt like there was so much there. And one thing that I talked about after the Super Bowl was, Excuse me. And the Bengals were, you know, were more aggressive than the Bearcats were, I thought, in the Cotton Bowl. Excuse me. Jeez. So one thing that stood out to me was conservative play calling. When you get to a big game, oftentimes you play not to lose. But that's a recipe for losing. Remember when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 52? They weren't afraid of New England. Ha! Hell no. They went after their defense. Nick Foles was taking shots every possession. That team had no ounce of fear in their body. The Bearcats, it looked like, in the Cotton Bowl were playing with fear. I need to see more aggressiveness in big games. I need to see more creativity. I need to see what got them there, which was, you know, just unleashing the offensive attack. You know, they were aggressive at Indiana. They were aggressive at Notre Dame. They were aggressive against Temple and UCF. They weren't afraid of any team. They were aggressive the first play from scrimmage against Miami, Ohio. I need to see that on the big stage. So what if it doesn't work? So what do you want to do? You want to go down swinging? Or do you want to go down knowing that you left some things on the table? I don't want to go down with something left on the table. It felt like in the Super Bowl, the Bengals kind of did, but not nearly as much with Cincinnati. Only two field goals. The only game this season where they did not score a touchdown. The first time that they had not scored a touchdown in a game since 2019 against Ohio State. Bearcats played 12 more games that season. They played 10 the following year and then 13 after that. 
They played 35 games. That was the first time in 36 games they didn't score a touchdown. It just felt like to me that they left some things on the table. They could have done more. And I want to see that more in games this year, like at Arkansas or in the conference championship or in games where they're, you know, it's a big game, but they might be an underdog. Because let me tell you something, when you get to the Big 12, every game is going to be big. You might be an underdog. I guarantee you'll be an underdog to Oklahoma. I guarantee you'll be an underdog to Baylor. I guarantee you'll be an underdog to Oklahoma State. It doesn't matter where you play those games. If you play them on the road, you're, you're for sure an underdog. If you play at home, eh, maybe you'll get the benefit of being at home. So it's an uh, it's an even spread, three and a five favor for the uh, point spread for the favorite. But you have to be the aggressor. You know, this Bearcats program has gotten to where it is because it's aggressive, because they are willing to punch above their weight class. They don't give in to, well, we're a group of five team. They don't care about that. Think about the scheduling that they've done over the years. UCLA, Ohio State, Notre Dame. They've played Georgia. They've played Alabama. They've played Indiana. They've played, I mean, they played Army. They've played all these teams. Michigan. You know, they haven't gotten to where they are just because, well, they play in the American Athletic Conference. Yeah, I know they haven't lost a conference game in three years. But at the same time, they are an aggressive team. So they have to do that in big games. They can't play not to lose. I'd be very interested. So let's say Cincinnati gets to 12-1 and when they're in the Big 12 and they find a way into the college football playoff. They can't lose an undefeated season. They can't lose. They can lose the game, but they can't lose an undefeated season. There's a great saying, he who chases two rabbits seldom catches one. Well, the Bearcats epitomized that in the Cotton Bowl. They were undefeated, the only undefeated team in the college football playoff. And I think they were maybe a little bit afraid to lose that undefeated season. I'm not sure. That's a question that only Luke Fickle can answer. But Gino Gadulli has to call more aggressive plays. I think he will. You know, if he was the offensive coordinator last year, which we didn't know until after the season, Mike Dembrock was still here. And we all know how fans felt about him and his conservativeness. But you're not going to be able to do that this year. And my thing was, it's surprising that the Bearcats got six points because they came on field goal attempts And they weren't very good from there. This offense, you know, they have to start getting used to this team playing in big games. The defense in big games over the years has been fine. UCF, they held up nicely for a while. Georgia, they were really good. Alabama, they were, you know, I thought, outside of giving up 300 yards rushing, pretty solid. Bryce Young didn't set the world on fire. They were just gashed by the run game. So I think about that. And I think about the offense can just match the defense. They might be in closer games against a team like Alabama. You know, they just played Alabama in the college football playoff. That has to mean something. But you can't just say, oh, well, you know, it was Alabama. No. I don't think this program is going to do that. This program is going to look at that game and say, hey, what didn't we do well? Because the Bearcats are, are, I think, are going to get back to the playoffs soon. Maybe not this year, but, I mean, 2023 looks pretty promising when they move to the Big 12 and look at the benefit of the doubt being in a Power 5 conference. So we see against lesser opponents, the Bearcats impose their will, their superiority. They empty the tank. So why can't we see that in big games? We saw it against Houston last year, but they were favorites. We didn't see it against Alabama. We didn't necessarily see it against Georgia. It feels like whenever Cincinnati sports play in big games, The Bengals used to be this way too. And they were a little bit in the Super Bowl, and that's understandable, 
yet frustrating at the same time. Whenever Cincinnati sports get, get on, gets on the big stage, it feels like it's it's like it struggles to get off the ground. And that was the Bengals for seven times in the playoffs under Marvin Lewis. So you look at this team and you say, okay, when we get to a big game, we need to get off the ground right away, throw that first punch. If Alec Pierce catches that touchdown pass, and maybe that's why they kind of felt like they had to be a little more conservative to prevent that from happening. But if that, if Alec Pierce hauls in that touchdown, it's a 7-7 game. And we're feeling really good about ourselves. You know, 7-7 with Alabama? Even 7-3 you felt good. But you can be even better. Aggression, aggression wins in life. It most certainly wins in the game of football. What I want to see against Arkansas this year and any other game they play in this year, aggressiveness, emptying the bucket, and creativity. That's what I want to see this upcoming season. Covered a lot today. We, we really did. And, and, of course, the you know quarterback battle is going to be a major talking point throughout these months. You know Russ Heltman is going to join me on Thursday to talk about the recruiting from this past weekend. Eight players, um, eight players committing over the weekend. We'll talk about what that means for the program. Number five now in 24-7 sports uh, composite rankings for the class of 2023. Um, multiple other guests throughout the month of June, hopefully, and July. This is going to be a fun month. It really is. I was hoping to have John Garcia Jr. on Wednesday. I don't think he's going to be on this week. Kind of uh, a shorter week. He's traveling. Um, other things. Just wasn't able to get him on this week on the sign-up sheet, but that's okay. Um, we'll have plenty to talk about here on Lockdown Bearcats. Don't forget, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, to subscribe. You can also like and share a comment on today's video and you can download this from an audio platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also like and share a comment and or give it a rating. All of that helps more Bearcats fans like you find this podcast. When you subscribe on YouTube, don't forget to follow us so you can get an alert every time a new episode drops. And thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. Now make your second listen to the Lockdown NBA Big Board Podcast. Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin will give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and, of course, big boards. Follow Locked on NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an ATI. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, and email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. I'm Alex Frank for the Locked on Bearcats podcast. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Rest of your Tuesday, June the 7th, and I will be back tomorrow on what hopefully is a day after the Rangers win. We'll look forward to more Bearcats conversation, Game 3 of the NBA Finals. So much to get to tomorrow on the show. Have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you tomorrow.